to the current restrictions, we recorded this podcast remotely in April 2020. And for this episode, Vicky sat down with Tommy Henderson Ray. Tommy's extensive background in social work has led him to his current role as Digital Transformation Lead at the National Care Forum, and today he shares his insights on how the care sector is beginning to embrace widespread change, from utilising data right through to rolling out voice technology. And he explains what more needs to be done in the months and years to come. Welcome, Tommy. Thanks for joining us. So what kind of clients does the National Care Forum have? Um, is it limited to just elderly care or do you have a wider remit? Uh, yes, it's, it's, it's a wide remit. So we, we represent not-for-profit care providers. So social care is a very complicated sector and that's partly why it's in a bit of an identity crisis. So local authorities who have duties under adult social care and children's social care, that's social care. You have... A provider market which is independent, volunteer, private and not-for-profit all doing amazing work in that same space. So we represent exclusively not-for-profit providers, primarily who've come from a charity status. Um, so that means that that could cover anyone who's 18 to um, their passing away, frankly. Mm. So that could include people with learning disabilities at 18, 19, 20 young adulthood, uh, mental health charities in there with, with middle-aged people, um, equally going through to residential care and nursing care, home care, supported living, day centres, you name it, we cover it. So it's a pretty comprehensive mix, really. And how is the National Care Forum able to influence the care sector in terms of the support that it can give? Well, we're really ideally placed. We've got a great network with a lot of national organisations. We have a very good reputation because of providers who are able to innovate. It's, funnily enough, often the not-for-profit providers that are able to innovate the most because they don't have to put their profits to stakeholders and shareholders. The profits get put back into the organisation. So we do have members who are really pushing the forefront and are really engaging with technology and are really evangelical about that. And there's a number of really good examples of how they're joining up data with lighting. And I mean lighting in the sense of if you've got older person who really struggles with orientation during the day because they've got dementia, if you can combine data with lighting so that the lighting adjusts per day, so that psychologically and almost subconsciously they're more aware that it's nighttime and it's daytime. That really helps behaviour management linked to dietary requirements, linked to falls, linked to care plans and all that linked together, linked to how much medication they're taking and how regular that is. And that's all done digitally. Mm-hmm. That's To me, that's, that's digital transformation because you're joining up a number of different fields together to, to create, I guess what would have been a 2D picture becomes 3D or what was black and white becomes coloured because you can join up all these segments that are holistic about a person. So we've got organisations that are doing those sorts of things and at the end of it they're saying, well, we've got a training dearth in this area because we've seen data in this area, we've got evidence here, we're seeing that, we need to be trained more in that and it's all linked together. That's remarkable. But maybe I could say that that's about four or five members that are doing that And if we've got a list of about 115 that are members, then that's a lot that are not doing that. 
Mm. And there's some that are on their way, but there's a significant number who are nowhere near that. So it's, there's a real, real uneven um, patchwork, really. And currently your role is Digital Transformation Lead at the National Care Forum. Could you tell us a little bit about what that role entails and what your day-to-day looks like? Yeah, so it's a relatively new role. So there's myself and my colleague who do the same job as two of us. Um, and it's been we've been going for about a year. And I think it came about because uh, increasingly, you know, we're in 2020 and technology is on our doorstep. It's on our fingertips. We're using it all the time at home. And equally, that's the same for the care sector. It's the same for healthcare. So there's a great deal of merit in having... Um, people who understand technology and understand care, who can guide and advise um, organisations on what is, frankly, quite potentially complicated areas, really. Um, What do you do if you're um, someone who's a care provider and you're thinking about buying software and you've got a limited budget? Who do you go to to say, well, what is the right thing for us? What sort of questions should we be asking? So that's the kind of idea of having such a role. Mm -hmm. Um, And increasingly, that role is becoming more and more prominent. Um, You you see it in the NHS, you see it across GP surgeries, pharmacists, hospitals. You see it increasingly amongst care providers is having people who've been there and done that but equally understand how to use technology so that you can marry the two up in order that technology becomes uh, an an end in itself, not the end-all zenith, but it's something that you use as a vehicle to provide better care. That's ultimately why you do this job, and that's that's the the nub of the job, really, is using the technology to make care better for people. Mm -hmm. And on a typical day, what are you involved in? Is it more the research side of things, or are you out promoting what you can provide to the sector as a whole? Well, I, I laughed because a typical day now is very different to a typical day previous <laughs> to the current outbreak. But if if we were to disregard the current scenario we were in, I think it's there's two sides to the coin. So um, I am accountable to the members who we represent. So there's the one hand where I'm advocating and representing the not-for-profit care provider membership across social care to other organisations nationally, be that the government, local government, NHS, and other organisations nationally who are doing lots of things in the area of care and health and integration. But equally, there's the side of actually physically being with my members, being with the providers themselves and having those conversations uh, in situ, as it were. So in other words, physically going to care homes or organisations that deliver care in people's homes to understand what what it is that they're facing, seeing their interactions with technology processes, other organisations and agencies, and trying to link up and connect and support. Um, And I suppose there is a a third strand, although I use the analogy of a coin, but nonetheless, there is a third strand, which is about innovation, the transformation side of things, which is looking on the horizon, what money is out there that we can experiment and use to develop something or try something innovative that people aren't using or people haven't thought about, but there's gaps in the market for us to try something out and and really try and uh, increase the development of the use of technology and care. So I guess 
it's th this three sides, so I should probably say it's a triangle rather than a coin, but <laughs> that's the, the basic nub of it. When you go out and speak to healthcare and social care providers, what are some of the common issues that you're seeing them face? Something that I'm constantly trying to think about is, from a workforce perspective, how can we get more workers, carers in social care to become more literate around technology so that they become what I like to call both and. They're both technologically confident and confident delivering care because they've got experience in both because mm -hmm. their narrative becomes so powerful. You go into meetings and you say, I've been there, I've done that. That's not going to work because do, 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 do. Or you can go into meetings and say, that will work because I've been there and I've done that. And da, 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 da. That, that authoritative voice is actually really profound. And that's something that the NHS has had for a number of years. And it's had these people dotted around in each trust who are, are able to connect and share ideas with each other, which unfortunately we don't have as social care. And I think that's something that we really, really miss. Uh, the difficulty in being able to share information and how to do that in a timely manner, getting the information you need to do your job from whoever that might be, so that you can deliver the right care, um, having enough money to do it. So I guess the challenge there is that a care provider may want to innovate, but they're really restricted by budgets and whatever innovation takes place must kind of guarantee a cost saving and positive impact on that bottom line. I think that's absolutely right, Vicky. And, and what we're finding is that we're not we're not finding lots and lots and lots of providers knocking on the door saying we've got ideas, come and innovate. It's we we find pockets of innovation mm -hmm. and channel that. It's the other way around, and that's probably not surprising given the narrative I've just given. But mm -hmm. it's exactly that we're having to go to them and say, I think you've got something. And and yes, you're right because finances are tight. The capacity for innovation and digital transformation is um, it's difficult, mm. it's difficult. And, and I think digital transformation as a concept is very mysterious to a lot of providers. They don't really know what it is. They don't know what, they don't know what I mean. They don't know what the notion of it means. Um, and if you're not seeing it in action, then it's not on your radar to something to aspire towards either. That's mm. one of the big challenges we find. What kinds of innovations are you seeing at the moment in the care sector? And what do you think the catalyst for that is? We're really well connected with a lot of organisations who have money, who are asking the sector, we have some money, can we use you as a conduit to influence the sector? So because we're connected across social care, because we cover a wide breadth, and because we've got a number of members of staff who are skilled in delivering care and who have a technological focus, we're really at the forefront of using innovative projects to actually test out different uses of, of technology and care. So, for example, um, we're, we're running a lot of projects to do with how recording standards of information would make transformation of data more smooth across health and social care, which is a very technical narrative. But if I give the example of, let's say it's banking, um, and what we were trying to transfer some money between each other, um, it would be outrage if I wasn't able to send money to your 
account number and sort code because our banks didn't talk to each other. That would never happen. Yet when it comes to your care, your health, your health care, that's exactly what happens. That data doesn't transfer through the system. So if you have someone that goes through the healthcare system, it can be a very bumpy ride depending on relationships and agreements between different organisations. It's very, very fragmented from hospital through to care or whatever the example may be, talking to GPs and so on and so forth. So we're looking at how you can use standardised data to record that information so that it can be transferred through the process much more seamlessly. Secondly, things like how to use technology in real situations. So the, the world of um, consumable technology, so Alexa um, and Google Home and Amazon Echo, all of these pieces of technology that, that, that lots of people are using in their home environments are increasingly being used in social care settings for people who need, need support for reminders, for um, friendly voices or for connection with family if you wanted to talk to video conferencing with family. So this is increasingly occurring. And so what's happening is the market is ballooning. And yet what you're finding is that that organisations are going, if I just type this into Google, there are thousands of options. What on earth do I choose? What's the right thing for me? What's the right thing for my loved one? Are they going to understand that? They keep forgetting Alexa's name and calling it Alex, and it's not working in the same way. So what's the right thing for us? So what we've done is we've started demoing innovation hubs. Where we've set them up across the country and said to organisations, come and see it in action, touch it, feel it, press it, critique it, you get a far better idea of whether that's, that stuff, that, that tangible technology is better for you as an organisation, better for you as someone you care for, um, better for you as a, a person who's receiving care because you're able to test it out. Obviously, the current situation with COVID-19 is putting a massive amount of strain on society, but it also seems like it's helping drive rapid adoption of technology and to spur on innovation. Do you think this is happening in the care sector as a response to the coronavirus as well? Video conferencing is is, is a big thing now. And so what, what's happened in the last three weeks is that significant numbers of care providers are now accessing and using Microsoft Teams that they would never have had access to. That's been given they've been given access by NHS England. So you've got care providers who are now able to video conference with GPs were able to video conference with hospitals and do assessments. So if you've got somebody who wants to move to that care home, but they might have COVID-19 and you didn't want to physically get into the hospital to visit, you can do that video conferencing. I don't know for certain whether that really was a thing before COVID-19. The use and the availability of that technology was absolutely, but I don't think it was being used. And are there any technologies that you're aware of that could be deployed quickly to help alleviate some of that strain that the care sector is facing from COVID-19? Yeah, so the, the quickest win is, is NHS Mail. That's yeah. the absolute quick win because um, it's amazing how a pandemic um, dissipates bureaucracy. So before, there were lots of processes that, that providers had to go through in order to get NHS Mail. Now... As of three weeks ago, a provider fills in a Word document, believe it or not, sends it to NHS. A computer takes all of those fields and creates 
an NHS mail account, or we might. So you've seen this change that I never saw coming, and I spent years engaging with providers in this role and in previous roles, talking about what you need to do in order to get NHS mail and providers going, you expect me to do that in addition to my day job? Jog on, no chance. Whereas now, um, I'm seeing this amazing change because of uh, a very, very difficult, tragic scenario where um, processes have been streamlined. Remarkable. So that would be a really good example of off the bat straight away, somebody being discharged from hospital and the information being easily transferred via PDF in terms of what medication they need, who they are, what's happened to them in hospital so that the care home can then go, okay, since they left us, this has happened, therefore we need to do X, Y and Z as a result. So what do you think the future looks like for the care sector, say in the next five to ten years? More use of data, more uses of technology for people themselves, um, more uses of creative ways of um, using sound that might sound a bit weird but things like acoustic monitoring so you can actually monitor someone's movements in a far less intrusive way where there's almost sonar radar in the room that you can work out whether someone's patterns and movements are normal so you don't have to wake them up in the middle of the night because you think they've had a fall because they haven't and you've done that in a very less intrusive way it's not cctv so i think partly covid19 partly because let's be honest it's 2020 and if digital is not a train that's come to the station and passed you, it's coming down the track pretty quick. And I think in order to remain or to avoid being obsolete, providers are going to have to become more digitally literate. So I think that's going to happen quick. So it's about trying to make sure that you provide as much support and guidance and signposting and almost handholding to get people through that. Mm. I really feel like the National Care Forum's like newly launched online course is kind of quite key to starting that conversation within the care sector about what needs to be done and what can be embraced today. Is that still ongoing? Unfortunately, we've just finished. Uh, and everything's, everything's to do, always to do with funding. So uh, we had one round of funding from an organisation from called Skills for Care, who were funded by the government directly. And that, it ran for four months. We had 20 places. We had 70 applicants because people really got the idea. So uh, I am this week... Um, taking the report from all the feedback from the managers on that. Um, And um, the idea is to roll that out three or four times again this year. Now, I think what might happen because of the current context that we're in is that everything might get knocked back a bit because it's a bit more fighting fires at the moment. Um, But um, we, I, I am part of, and National Care Forum are part of, Digital Social Care which is a fascinating entity, really cutting-edge organisation. We're funded by NHS Digital, but we're for care providers, by care providers, providing care providers with really great resources to do with everything to do with digital. Mm -hmm. And that's digitalsocialcare.co.uk. And that's that's the great vehicle to go to. So in answer to your question, that's where I would say that providers need to go to, or anyone who's interested in what's happening with technology in care is go on digitalsocialcare.co.uk because that's really where the hub of all the information is going to be hold or held at the moment. So to wrap up, imagine you're stuck in Slough for four hours with no phone and no access to the internet. What would you do? 
Well, I'd try and go on, uh, I'd try and recreate an office tour and I would um, go and try and find the virtual Wernham Hog tour and try and find uh, David Brent and try and pretend that I was actually in the office so that I could uh, relive my love of the office. That's what I would absolutely do without shadow of a doubt. <laughs> That's my favourite answer so far. Thanks so much for taking the time to speak to me today, Tommy. It's been really insightful to chat to you and learn more about the care sector.